the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. We are joined now by Jim Pinkerton, former White House aide under President Reagan and the first President uh, Bush, and news contributor and contrib- contributor to the American Conservative and Breitbart.com. Jim, thanks for being on the program. Uh, thank you, Grant. Jim, I want to start by talking about a piece that you've got at, at Breitbart. Um, the, the headline is, Democrats Wrestle with How to Quit and acquitted Trump. And, and basically, the Democrats have been addicted for the last four years to Trump hatred, and, uh, and they can't let go. What, what's going on? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I borrowed that headline, with full credit, of course, from Politico. Which that was literally their headline, and I thought it was funny that a mainstream media publication would be so you know, accurate as to uh, democratic motivation, which is to say that you know hating on Donald Trump has been good business for Democrats and, of course, the media. They both kind of admit it. Uh, the challenge now is that hating on Trump is still a good business for the media, which is why they always want to cover him. And the Democrats, of course, now have a problem is that they're in charge, and so they want attention to go to Joe Biden and Joe Biden's you know agenda and. That nobody's quite given this memo to the MSM yet that, no, hey, guys, cover Biden and how great he is, not Trump and how terrible he is. That's a message that the Democrat coalition is going to have to sort out among itself. You know, Jim, I think it's really extraordinary that we had this incoming administration. And uh, normally they want to forget all about the guys that lost. You know, what's the point talking about them? And they want the news to be all about their plans, you know. And instead we had this spectacle of, of, the, of the post, you know, the out-of-office impeachment. I just thought it was extraordinary that the Democrats thought it made sense to have the focus on, on, the, on, on Trump as opposed to Biden. Yeah, I mean, Biden will be on the ballot. Uh, or the Democrats, you know, and, and, and the Democrats will in, in 2022 and, and so on. Uh, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi saying that she wants to have a you know, January 6th commission in the spirit of the you know, 9-11 commission of a couple decades ago uh, only guarantees, you know, if you were a assignment editor at CNN and you had a chance to, you know, cover, you know, the, 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 use all the video footage of those idiots on January 6th storm in the Capitol, or, you know, the agriculture secretary Gilsack talking about the new farm bill, which would you choose? I mean, that's, you know, it's so loaded in the favor of the sensational Trump news that even just this morning in the Washington Post, Eugene Robinson, who's a liberal stalwart at, at that newspaper, his headline was, quote, let's leave the 45th president behind and focus on what's ahead. Now that's, an op-ed writer talking, 
Meanwhile, of course, you know, the Washington public is still just as obsessed with Trump as are <laughs> all the rest of the MSM. So they've got to figure this out. You know, one aspect of this strikes me as quite sinister, Jim, and this is something that you talk about in your piece referring to what's being reported in, in Politico, and that is that the Democrats are working on a, quote, roadmap to deal with Trump after the impeachment trial, which could include trying to obtain his financial records, uh, trying to revoke his, quote, post-presidential privileges, um, et cetera. And uh, I, I, I find this kind of scary, the idea that um, they're going to continue to to pursue uh, President Trump as a private citizen. What, what do you make of that? Well, it is interesting, and, and it has a certain edge to it, as, as you indicate. But it also, as I pointed out in that piece, Joe Biden is going to have to think about this a little bit. Now, wait a second. Do I really want a bunch of disclosure rules and so on and so on about nepotism and family and influence and money and so on? I mean, though, you know, Trump, for, for better or worse, is going to get, you know, flayed by you know, half a dozen different prosecutors from New York to Atlanta. And so any financial secrets that he has, I suspect, will come out in a subpoena or a court trial, you know, within the next, you know, year or two, uh, you know, Joe Biden, is, if, he, if he wants that kind of treatment, this, if they mandate disclosure, if they mandate you can't do this, you can't do that, uh, you know, this stuff will have to apply to the 46th president just as much as the 45th president. So we'll, I think we'll see a little bit of behind the scenes, hey, guys, let's just kind of cool it on this revenge stuff. Well, we don't want to go down the path of a place like Israel, where if you lose the election, there's a good likelihood you get indicted. You know, uh, being a former politician is, is, is a way of trying, you know, you find yourself having to try to stay out of jail. I don't think that's a precedent that we want to follow. Follow. Yeah, we are talking. Biden's looking forward to. And, oh, yeah. Biden. yeah. Right. Right. We are talking with Jim Pinkerton, and we're going to be back with more after these messages. Oh, no, we're going to rock down to Electric Avenue. The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. I'm John Hinderocker filling in for Dan tonight, and we are talking with Jim Pinkerton. And Jim, I want to change gears now and talk about something different, and that's Stacey Abrams. You know, I don't think I'd ever really heard of Stacey Abrams until she ran for governor of Georgia and lost. And then the next thing I knew about Stacey Abrams was that she kept claiming she'd actually won. And at least in my circles, you know, she was viewed as kind of a laughingstock. But but now I hear some people saying she's actually the most powerful politician in America. And uh, talk about that a little bit. You've got a piece uh, at, uh, at, at Breitbart um, uh, it's t- it's headline. Stacey Abrams outlines her plan for Democratic domination. So, what's the Republican plan? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, <clears throat> no, like, you're exactly right. When she ran for governor in eighteen, she ran a <clears throat> you know a strong campaign. She lost by fifty thousand votes in eighteen, <clears throat> and then she refused to concede, and that made her kind of a figure of fun among Republicans. You know, calling her quote Governor Abrams unquote and so on, and but then. You know, instead of just settling back to become a laughingstock, she, you know, put her nose down and and got to work and continued what has driven her 
of the last decade or more, which is registering voters. And this is something that Republicans have to come to grips with. In the last <clears throat> 10 years, the number of registered voters in Georgia has risen from 6.6 million to 7.6 million. That's about a 17% increase. And Abram says that of that million new voters, 800,000 800, are thanks to her. Again, we can analyze those numbers and maybe she's right, maybe she's wrong, but the, the 1 million votes, voter increase in registration surge, it is undeniable. And that explains why I think why Trump and, and uh, former President Trump and former Senator Leffler and former Senator Perdue uh, all lost in Georgia. The turnout that the Democrats engineered was on the order of, you know, 40% from 16 to 20. Uh, and, and those were, you know, the numbers show those were new Democratic voters. And Abrams did something really sort of profound and obvious at the same time, which is win campaigns by getting more votes than the other guy. And the key to that is to get him registered and motivated in the first place. And that's what she's been doing. Meanwhile, what have Republicans been doing? They've been tweeting. And that's not a plan for victory. Yeah, it's really interesting. One of the things, as I understand it, you correct me if I'm wrong here, Jim, but as I understand it, um, uh, one of the things that Stacey Abrams did was she, she was putting a lot of pressure on the Georgia Secretary of State. And one of the things that she got was that they put up these ballot boxes, uh, untended boxes, but only in heavily Democratic areas. They didn't put them up everywhere. They put them up, in, I think, in the city of Atlanta, maybe some other places. And, and anybody, any time of the day or night, could come by and drop in ballots. And, and two questions. Number one, am I saying that right? And two, you know, to me, that just seems like a, a recipe for voting uh, irregularities. Or do you think that's too, uh, too cynical? No, I think those are, those are both true statements. But it's important to understand that the legal agreement that was hammered out between Abrams and her various groups with called like, names like Fair Vote and so on, and the Georgia Secretary of State was achieved, if that's the right word, signed in April, almost almost a year ago, where, you know, there's a, any point that Republicans wanted to make about, you know, vote ballot harvesting and vote boxes left unattended and so on, should have been made in April, not in November and December. I mean, look, this is a clear case where Abrams and you should all, we should also, I mean, your, your listeners should be aware of a, a, an incredibly smart and effective Democratic lawyer named Mark Elias at the law firm of Perkins Coy, uh, who has been, along with a bunch of other smart Democratic lawyers, has been doing all this maneuvering and Republicans, frankly, haven't been paying attention to all all these agreements. I mean, our lawyers are people like, unfortunately, like Sidney Powell and you know Lynn Wood and Rudy Giuliani, who were who are so like worse than ineffective. And you wonder why we lose when they outlawyer us. Anybody who's in the legal game knows that the, the merits of a case are oftentimes less important than the quality of the lawyering that goes into it. And so Republicans have to learn to play that game and find our own smart lawyers who can go toe-to-toe or at least call attention to at the time when these kinds of terrible agreements are reached. 
Yeah, um, I, I wrote a piece on on Powerline recently. Why can't Trump find a good lawyer? <laughs> that's a, that's a story. In its, <laughs> that's a story in itself, Jim. But but you know what I'm talking about. So so let's let, let's go to the next step, though, as you do in your in your piece, Jim. I mean, let let's let's say okay, hats off to the Democrats for being smart, being tough, being effective. But instead of complaining, let's learn from it. So so what what exactly can Republicans do here to fight fire with fire? Well, I, I think one thing we have to realize is that too much of the conservative media, and this includes blogs, this includes talk radio, is oriented towards heating up the Republican base as opposed to actually getting the vote. I mean, if you can, somebody can sit at home and watch Sean Hannity all night and you know, get really good and mad at liberals, but that is not automatic as I wrote in the, the Breitbart piece, that he or she will vote. I mean, again, these idiots who stormed the Capitol in, in, in last month in January, that they've done studies of them. Most of them didn't vote. And it's crazy that they were, they were obviously more interested in rioting than voting. Okay, so we lost the election in November, another election in January, and then we lost again when these clowns, you know, smeared the Republican Party. I mean, what we need is a, a media system where it says, look, if you're mad, fine, but keep a sock in it and think about voting as your expression, as opposed to just, you know, throwing the proverbial beer can at the TV or a fiber extinguisher at some cop's head. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we've got too much venting and not enough voting. Jim, we're up against a hard break, so we got to leave it right there. But uh, thank you very much for being on the program, and we'll be right back. Thank you. All along the watchtower, princess kept the view. While all the women came and went, barefoot servants too. Listen to the podcast of the show at danproffshow.com.